Welcome to Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. So how are you doing? Pretty good. It's been a very quiet week. Not much happened. I mean, I had my Tuesday night game that I run, but other than that, nothing much happened. Hmm. Hmm. Quiet weeks are nice weeks. Yeah. It was really funny, though, in the game. They were trying to make something, and on the very last roll that they had to hit a certain number, they couldn't roll more than a one. And they had all these bonuses and all these different stuff, and it didn't go, go over a one until the very, like, very last chance they had. Oh. <laughs> it was very funny, though. They spent a half an hour in-game making this thing. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. They made it, so it was really cool and everything. It was funny. <laughs> well, that's great. How about you? How was your week? My week was good. I did some pet sitting, and mm -hmm. I'll be going back to that pet sit next week, and that's going to be for a longer length of time. It was just two nights this week, but it will. I'll be going into pet sitting again for quite a bit. Mm. And I played a lot of Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Then I prepared and am preparing for our Beltane ritual, yeah, which we're going to do this weekend, mm -hmm. which whenever this airs is probably way long past, but you know, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. I'm excited about that. We're going to do that tomorrow with some friends and I haven't done a ritual in a long time, so I'm a little nervous, mm. but excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here. I haven't done one in quite a long time. I just wish we had a maypole, but... No maypole, sadly. Yeah. That makes me sad because it's one of my favorite things to do is the maypole. <laughs> it's so much fun. You always end up laughing so much. Mm. You know? Anyway, that's me. Excellent. So you want to dig into the witch's tool? Yeah. This couple of weeks, it's the witch's tool is incense. Incense is a powerful and easy to use tool in the witch's arsenal. It comes in several varieties. Loose, resin, sticks, and cones. There are also endless varieties of ingredients for an amazing array of smells. This makes it fairly easy to find an incense that supports your current spell or an intention. The only real caveat is that some people are allergic to smoke, as well as some pets, in which case you could use essential oils and candles. Be careful with that, is fire. Also, you have to be careful which essential oils you use because some pets can get hurt by those just being in the air. Yeah, there are some essential oils that are actually bad for pets. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Incense is used in the east part of the altar for air. It can be used for cleansing, powering your spell, putting you in the magical mindset, or simply for making your house smell good. Incense itself may have been around since 6000 BC. Somewhere around ancient Sumer, uh, they found a pot with uh, art of somebody having incense. They haven't found incense itself there, but they've found art of it. Neat. Um, it was also used in ancient Egypt as well as China. Incense is often made from the resins of trees and herbs. Sandalwood, 
is a very common and popular incense from a tree and can be used for purifying, sanctifying, and creating a sacred space. It's also one of my absolute favorite smells ever. I was just going to say sandalwood is just a lovely smell. That mm. and frankincense, I love that too. Mm-hmm. I think frankincense might be a little too strong for me, but mm. I personally love incense. The variety and ease of use is so wonderful to me. Yeah. Incense is really awesome. I use it on a daily basis. I try to do that just because I like my house to smell nice, Mm -hmm. but absolutely always during ritual. Yeah. We're going to be using a basil incense for our ritual, which if I'm not mistaken, also has to do with bringing in abundance and Mm -hmm. monetary success. I have a cat that is trying to do something weird. He's trying, it looks like he's trying to get into a bag and it's a very flat laptop bag and he's hey can you grab that bag for me i don't know if you can grab it any better than i can i have to get the bag away from him he's actually going after the velcro i'm sorry buddy boy you can't have that thank you you're welcome all right sorry for the interruption everybody okay now it's on to tatiana's subject of the podcast yeah we're gonna go on to witches and the persecution of the War Boys witches and the Throckmorton children. Now, this tale takes place in the town of War Boys in the Fens of England. The trials took place in War Boys, Huntingdonshire. The story of Alice Samuel and her family is an odd one. Once you hear of it, you may come to see why, in that time period, the act of witchery seemed very real. Not all of the events are sure to be accurate, but... I've done the best I can to weed through what I found. Now, it all began with two families, the Samuels and the Throckmortons, who had recently moved to the area uh, September 29, 1588. The first pointing of fingers occurred in 1589. The Throckmortons had a large family and were of a wealthy class, as best as I can tell, which automatically could point to political motivations in this story, like all others, but it isn't proven. Robert Throckmorton, father of Jane Throckmorton, the first child to take ill, only one month after they moved into town, was good friends with Sir Henry Cromwell, quote, one of the wealthiest commoners in England, unquote. And you might have heard of him. He's actually well known. Out of the good neighborliness, 76-year-old Alice Samuels, on Sunday, November 12, 1589, visited the Throckmortons to express wishes of good health for the child and visit the family. Not long after Alice's arrival, the child, nine-year-old Jane, seemed to take more ill and yelled out, Look where the old witch sits. Did you ever see one more like a witch than she is? Now, initially, this was dismissed as that of a child being ill and under duress, until later when four of the other sisters and some of the household servants also showed signs of the same symptoms. So, yeah, I can, of course, nowadays we're like, okay, the sickness is spreading, it's contagious, da-da-da-da, but back then it probably seemed like witchcraft. Exactly. You can see where that starts. Mm -hmm. The servants, here you go, the servants were sent away and replaced, but those servants became similarly afflicted. When Alice was brought before the children, they seemed to worsen and claimed to want to scratch her. The affliction came in the guise of physical fits where bodily parts would flail each individually, sneezing fits that lasted at times for half an hour, 
and other times silently lay like in a coma or a trance, while the stomach area would heave up and swell, but couldn't be forced back down. Ew. Yeah, so it's a lot of symptoms that would make you think mm-hmm. there's something else going on here that could be not explained, therefore, witchcraft. Other symptoms that presented were like that of palsy, which is paralysis, especially that which is accompanied by involuntary tremors. That's from Google Dictionary. In some instances, the eldest, seen as the strongest, would have fits which would thrust her out of her bed, or if sitting in a chair, even break the chair in more than one instance. The accounts given have the daughters not being able to recollect hearing, seeing, or feeling while in these states, nor what they were saying. These going ongoing events happen several times per day. Mm. Again, pretty, pretty weird. Mm-hmm. After inquiring with Dr. Barrow on three different occasions, and after medications were sent for healing to no avail, the doctor inquired about the potential for sorcery or witchcraft. Now, urine was sent out as a part of this attempt of diagnosis, but it doesn't say in what manner it was used for. So I found that rather interesting, you know, that far back. Yeah. After that, this urine was sent to Master Butler, a family acquaintance, and he sent along the same treatment as Dr. Barrow had. Quote, Exactly a month later, on the same day, almost to the hour, two more of Master Throckmorton's daughter fell sick to the same illness and that was afflicting Jane. Again, very interesting. Mm-hmm. This lends itself easily to the beginning of believing the possibility of something supernatural at play. Quote, These daughters, two to three years older than Jane, cried out, Take her away. Look where she standeth here before us in the black-thrummed cap. It is she that hath bewitched us, and she will kill us if you do not take her away. The eldest daughter even predicted her death, and that of the others, which did come to pass. Mm. In March 1590, Lady Cromwell conversed about the accusations against her, Alice Samuels. It is said that a lock of Alice's hair was taken by Lady Cromwell and given to Mrs. Throckmorton to burn in order to weaken the witch's power. This was a known folk remedy. According to the accounts given, Lady Cromwell experienced nightmares, got sick, and died in 1592. After this occurred, Alice was convinced, not via any known torture, to confess. The next day, she retracted her statement, but she had done this once more than one occasion. The reason for that is unknown. She was then presented to the Bishop of Lincoln and taken to Huntington to be imprisoned along with her husband and daughter. They were all tried in the death of Lady Cromwell in April 1593, and her following words from the trial were used against her. Quote, Madam, why do you use me thus? I never did you any harm as yet. Unquote. All three were declared guilty and hanged sometime thereafter. Now, please go on to read the text, fact, and fiction from the Bloomsbury collection for further information about what of this could pertain to political motivations. Oddly, there is no exact date of the hangings that I could find. I can't believe that they hanged the whole family. Right? I, and there was no further information given about that. But I thought, wow. But I guess they just assume, you know, if, everybody. If one is there and tainted, then the whole rest are tainted. And being a daughter, 
I can see where they would think hand-me-down, uh-huh. witchery. But the husband, it's kind of surprising. The only thing I can think of is that these were poorer people. Yeah. She was an old lady. Mm-hmm. And he was probably an elderly gentleman. You know, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, we might be hearing my cat in the background right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I hope it's not coming on the recording. Anyway, so that's that. That's always sad. It is. But you can see in this particular story, unlike the others, it really shows so many reasons for why this looked supernatural. Yeah. And I'm really curious as to what the disease was. I wish I knew. Right? Shall we move on to Celtic history? Yeah. So Celtic history and magic. Celtic culture was prominent between 1000 BCE and 0 AD. The Celts actually ranged throughout Europe, tied together by language and culture rather than ethnicity. Unfortunately, a lot of um, like their beliefs, their rituals, that sort of thing have been lost to time, Christianization, and the Celts' own penchant for not writing things down. That doesn't mean, though, that we have nothing, as archaeology has been able to give us info on top of the often biased records of the Romans. Now, the Celts believed in many gods and goddesses, as well as heroes, and I will list a few here. Anu was the earth goddess, a goddess of fertility, also known as Danu, right? Thanu. Thanu. Mm -hmm. Okay, Thanu. Kernanos was a god of nature, as well as a god of the underworld. Now, is that Ceridwin or Caridwin? I've heard it both ways. Caridwin is what I'm used to hearing. Ah, Caridwin. Was a moon goddess. Lu was a sun god. The Morrigan which a lot of people have heard of, I'm sure, was a war goddess associated with crows. There are many more. Some were associated with specific places or landmarks. Often healing deities were associated with water, wells, streams, etc. And it was another popular pattern to see three deities in one or closely associated with each other. And I will say that Thanu is like the main seeming mother uh, creator of all of the like fae and connection mm-hmm. and with the celtic people and their beginnings and yeah so she is the, like the main goddess yeah and almost god in some ways you know mm. she's quite the presence i see there is some debate as to whether the roman reports of human sacrifice by the celts were true or were propaganda to make the celts seem more barbaric and thus in need of conquering Animals were sacrificed, as well as weapons and jewelry, to deities and and in other ritual contexts. Talking about jewelry, apparently torques worn around the neck were used as magical talismans. And they were one of the things that I had to do when I did my rite for becoming god-goddess, you know, integrating the two, was to wear a torque for a year and a day. Mm, okay. Interesting. According to Caesar, the general belief in death was that there was a reincarnation of sorts. One of the things he talked about was that they would have a funeral at a birth to honor the soul that died in the other world so that it could be born in this world. One Roman writer thought that the belief in reincarnation was the reason for the fierceness of the Celtic warriors. In a place of power in the Celtic culture were the Druids. The Druids were advisors, poets, holy men, and they were secretive with their knowledge. All their knowledge was passed on by mouth. They did not write anything down as far as their knowledge went. 
Now, I've read that training for one person could take up to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were also the Feely, which were poets and musicians often thought to have magical powers wrapped up in their abilities to create songs or poems. A satire written about someone could be considered a curse. Mm. Yeah. The Ohm, or Ohms, was a Celtic script dating back to the 4th century in Ireland. Each quote-unquote letter in the script is associated with a tree or a plant. While ohms are currently often used for divination, there is only one ancient story in which it is found. It isn't described how the divination was done, only that it used yew branches with the ohms written on them. Now this was kind of a challenging research topic, as there isn't a ton of info on the ancient Celtic practices, but I hope you enjoyed nonetheless, and maybe look into it farther yourself. Yeah, there is quite a bit of information and, um, you know, the ohms may be more recent, although they do date back quite a ways. Oh, then the letters themselves, yes. But the divination aspects, I think, still dates back quite a far way, but I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how far back. They now traditionally, and again, this is a more modern thing, are done on each branch of the type of tree that... Mm -hmm is uh, represented by its symbol mm-hmm. and i can understand where the u branch would make a lot of sense since that would be complete transcendence that particular tree represents complete okay. transcendence in a very like major arcana um, oh, okay sense so you know a life lesson it's a life thing mm-hmm. it's not just a small little thing going on in your life on the side it's something huge major event it's a major event okay so it would make sense to me to hear that actually. okay cool and we also have uh on one of our episodes we've talked about ohms and yes I we did don't remember which episode me neither but we do have it okay well we're gonna move on to tarot then yeah all right So today we have the Six of Swords. It's time to leave disagreements behind and move on. Take the high road, as it were, but even more than that, just let it go all together. Pack your bags and take those near and dear with you and leave the rest behind. It's just not worth the effort to try to prove any point you were attempting to make. Find yourself like-minded people and even make new connections if the opportunity presents. However, Don't leave the essence of the argument behind, because there's always something to be learned from any given interaction. Ask yourself, what can you take away from this experience? I believe there are very few black and white situations, and therefore it is good to be open-minded about what others have to say, even if you don't agree with them. In terms of our podcast, I think it's good to know when the time is to leave a bad situation when it's no longer advantageous to stand your ground and make your point. Know when to say uncle, especially if the odds are stacked against you. This may just be the excuse to make a change in your life, release, and move on. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Well, that was a quick, quick episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. I'm Tatiana, saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia, saying so long, and thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered Powered by by Magic. Magic. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Hope to hear from you. Yep. Have a good one.